If you're always on the go like myself and don't have time to sit down and read, Audible.com is a great source to be able to catch up on the latest bestsellers. Listen to it while on the road or at the gym. Audible.com is a leading provider of premium digital audio information and entertainment on the internet. Audible content includes more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Audible carries Audible books in every genre imaginable business, classics, history, self development, just to name a few. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30 day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash replay and choose from over 180,000 audio programs. Download a title for free and start listening. It's that easy. Currently, I am listening to the classic One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish. One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish, Black Fish, Blue Fish, Old Fish, New Fish. Okay, that's、This、genius. Go to audible.com slash replay. That's audible.com slash replay and get started today. Please welcome Toppy Gevinson. I totally mangled that. Come on in. That's okay. Toppy. Hi. Nice to meet you. You too. We met once before briefly. Yeah.、Um, we talked on the phone yesterday and I said, You do a bunch of things. How do you, what do you describe yourself as today if you had to fill out、uh, your occupation on a form? Right.、Uh, I'm a writer and actress, but right now my full time job for the first time actually is、um, I'm editor in chief of Rookie. w h i c h publisher. Publisher. You created Rookie? I founded it, but I founded it when I was 15. And I graduated from high school last year, so now is like the first time that it's actually my full time job, which is great. Well, I'm glad you made something of yourself. <laughs> so, we should, so, a bunch of you, again, don't know who Tavi is, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you here.、Um, you started becoming a person, a famous person, at the age of 11? I guess. That's when you became a public person for the first time. I started a vlog when I was about to turn 12, yes. Did, did that vlog have a name? Um, it was called Style Rookie. Style Rookie, and it was you writing about. I, I started it as a fashion blog, and then as I kind of got further into adolescence, started writing about that more, and then stopped writing it my sophomore year and started a, an online magazine that is for teenagers. So gonna, we're going to jump around, but the, but the main thing I want people to take away from this is that you are someone who created yourself on the internet. Sort of using your own tools, you've created your own identity, and you've、mm -hmm. now sort of, you've got, like we talked about, you've got multiple things going on. You're a publisher, you're an actress, you're a writer.、Um, and I think it's really interesting to talk about this now. We're in an era where people can sort of get instant fame and instant notoriety with, with one click, with one tweet, with one Instagram.、Mm -hmm. And you, you're 19, so you haven't been at it long, but you've built this up comparatively over a long time. And I want to sort of track that path a little bit. So,、mm -hmm. what made you decide to start blogging at age 11 slash 12? Well,、uh, my best friend's older sister had a fashion blog, and I was not even that interested in fashion and more or less wore like jeans and a t shirt every day, but I thought she was really cool. And she,、um, I don't know, I was in middle school and I was very insecure, and I appreciated the kind of A plum with which she would wear crazy outfits to school and then write about it later. And she showed me other blogs and fashion magazines, and I kind of saw that fashion didn't have to be this like oppressive. 
thing where I had to like look a certain way and dress kind of for male attention. It was more a form of self-expression. And um, I really admired her and this community of other girls uh, and young women who were doing that and just kind of wanted to be a part of it. And most, a lot of people have started blogs. Uh-huh. Most of them determine after a day or two that no one's interested in what they're reading or what they had for breakfast. This applies for Twitter and Instagram and sure. other things as well. Did you have an audience right away, or when did you develop an audience? Um, I mean, not for the first few weeks, but because of my age and because I knew her, and she was already in this community, like... I think, yeah, when I had had a number of posts up, she kind of tried to redirect her people to me. And But it was all, you know, girls who were doing the same thing, so everyone was interested in commenting and supporting each other. And it was way before fashion blogging was, like, this industry. Like, no one was going to Fashion Week like now. Um, it was just, like, this kind of in, this small community. So... I think at first, because of my age, um, a lot of people were intrigued. Because um, you were novel, right? Yes. There weren't yeah. other 12-year-old girls with fashion blogs. Right. Uh, but I think through writing every day, like I actually became a good writer and was able to um, turn it into an outlet that was like really helpful for me in just growing in general and um that other people actually liked beyond just like the initial hype over so, my age. so initially you're writing for a community of like-minded people and at some point someone mm-hmm. figures out this is an interesting person she's 12 years old she's 13 years old and you start showing up at fashion week uh-huh. people are flying you places um did you did that seem normal to you or, or did you have to step back and go this is this is out of the ordinary I knew it was out of the ordinary, um, and I was, like, excited every step of the way, but I was also um, aware that I was, like, kind of finding myself in a very adult industry and was kind of trying to be careful about everything and thoughtful and not, like, sell my soul or not. Like, I was really, I think the good thing about being that age is that you're really like skeptical and critical and angsty about like all adults. So there would be occasions where I would like be in an interview and I'm like 13 or in a meeting that kind of sounded interesting and I would just try to be really careful about not doing anything that felt like if I saw someone else do it, I would think it was lame or cheap. And so you're 13, you're 14, people are interviewing you. Uh, I have a vague memory of that age and the idea that anyone, any grown-up or anyone paying attention to what I said or thought would have been both what I really wanted and also incredibly overwhelming. Did you feel like maybe you should step back from that or did you embrace it? No, there were definitely moments... This is so stupid to me now, but I understand why I did it at the time. Um, When I was maybe 13 or 14, like more people had started to read it. And it wasn't just like other girls my age or people who were also interested in the same things. It was like, yeah, the novelty of someone doing this. And I just, it took away some of the freedom you have when you don't feel like people are reading what you're saying. And you're aware that you're at an age where like your opinions are changing all the time and you already disagree with something you wrote a week ago or you think the thing from a week ago is poor in quality. 
and I made a post that was like, please stop writing about me, which I now see as like very bratty and dumb, but... It didn't the, work. Um, no, I mean, you can't do that. But it was because like, I remember the first time there was like bad press and I was like, ah, this feels very weird. I, these people are suddenly in my world. And um, my dad had me read a short story called Claudine's book about a girl who writes a journal. Oh, and that's the other, I mean, there was bad press, like, yeah, she's, it's a novelty, but there were also people doubting that I was writing it myself, who thought my parents were doing it, or like sister or something. And um, in this short story, Claudine keeps a journal and her aunt or her like shitty stepmom or some figure like that discovers it and starts showing it around. And then there's all this press at their house and all these journalists and the aunt tries to take credit for it. And Claudine just lets them believe it and walks away and like whistles some kind of like victory march up to her treehouse. And I'm glad that my, like clearly I didn't step down from anything, but I'm glad that my dad showed me that at that age. What, what, what other input did your parents have about you becoming a well-known person who was flown to London and New York at age um, 12 and 13? I assume they were coming with you. Yeah, so usually my dad came with me and he is uh, an English teacher. He taught English at my high school for 30 years. Neither of my parents have any sort of background or even interest in you grew fashion. Up in Chicago, suburb of Chicago. Yeah, suburb of Chicago, Oak Park, and my dad um, was very skeptical at first. I mean, his only relationship to fashion was that, like, once every three years, he would go on like a spree at Eddie Bauer. And so, <laughs> um, for him, it was. Uh, I think at first he was really skeptical, like because the general rap that the fashion industry has is like a bunch of snarky people in fuzzy, weird outfits or something. Ew, sorry. Um, but I think he was really, he loved observing it all and found it really interesting and also met a lot of the same people I did who are like designers or editors or journalists who were really passionate and loved fashion for the same reasons that I did. So there's fashion, right? But also as a parent, I would assume, my, my kids are younger, um, but I, I'm watching people who've got teenagers and their big concern is what kind of access should their friends, should their kids have on Facebook or Instagram? And right. how much access should the public have to them? And you're out there in public. What was, what, what would your parents think about that? I it mean, seems like you had all of the agency. These are all your decisions. Yeah. they. I started my blog without even telling them, and then it wasn't until a few months in um, when a journalist asked to write about me that I told them, and they were, like, totally baffled. Mom, Dad, I got a blog and I'm famous? Uh, not quite that, but I think they were, um, and then they wanted to read it, and I didn't want them to just because I guess I felt a little embarrassed, and I knew I had no interest in, like, posting anything scandalous, but they kind of just trusted me and knew that, I don't know. I mean, I think they did have their concerns of like their daughter posting photos of herself on the internet, but they knew that it wasn't, as far as I could control, none of it would be uh, like dangerous for me. And, and so at some point then you go from being 
style, fashion blogger to saying, mm -hmm. I want to publish my own magazine, my own. Mm -hmm. what, what prompted that? How did that come about? Um, so, uh, towards the end of middle school, I found, the thing I liked about fashion was that it was like intersected with all these different things. So if I really liked a collection and the designer, I'm bleeding. Oh, no. What is going on? Get a medic. It's fine. It's clearly like Mark just, Zuckerberg moment. Oh no, it's, I'm clearly not like gushing blood, so we'll, we'll, we'll just keep going. We'll edit it, Um, gross. So, <laughs> at the end of middle school, I, um, yeah, if I, if I found a collection I liked, and the designer like named a movie that inspired them, I'd find the movie. So fashion was kind of like my gateway to all these other things, mediums that I ended up really loving. and. Um, I started learning about feminism, and at the same time, um, discovered the magazine Sassy uh, from like the late 80s, early 90s. Jane Pratt's magazine, right? Jane Pratt's yeah. magazine, yeah. And um, started kind of planting seeds, like writing about it on my blog, or I gave a talk at Idea City in Toronto about what Sassy would look like today. And... Um, Jane reached out to me and said, I want to help you start this thing, like a smart magazine for teenage girls. And um, so then I announced on my blog, so this is freshman fall of freshman year, and I announced on my blog that I was starting it and that I wanted submissions of like artwork and writing and people to get a pool of contributors and got... 3,000 submissions and spent that school year kind of like going through them. And what was the point? I mean, so you've already got, you've got an audience big enough that 3,000 people are sending you stuff. What was the point of saying, I want to spend time, I want to create an actual publication instead of just posting stuff on a blog? Um, well, my blog felt like a place where I was just kind of developing my voice and my tastes and um, it was just kind of musings, but I didn't really feel the need to do that anymore. Instead, I wanted to make something where I, where other people's voices would get a platform and there would be a community and it wasn't just kind of like me figuring out life. So, so anyone can start a blog, right? You go yeah. to Blogspot, Evan Williams made it and it's free. Starting a magazine doesn't have to require a lot of resources, but it requires some. Did you, did you finance it yourself? Did people help you out? Um, in the beginning, um, well, let's see, we met with publishers, but decided to be independent, and um, in the beginning it was just, I mean, like, I only started making money on this very recently, yeah. and that's okay because I was living with my parents and didn't but have But you were to. spending money, so who was, who, was, who was backing it? Was it just coming out of your pocket, out of your parents' pocket? Um, well, we had people, other editors involved earlier on who were willing to lend money and we also started working with ad agencies for ads on the site. So you were an ad-supported publisher yeah. at age, what, 15? Yeah. You could be people laughing, because it sounds I mean, extraordinary, right? I, yeah, I get it. <laughs> and, and again, so this is something that a lot of people here want to do or are trying to do professionally. Mm -hmm. You're a sophomore in high school doing this. Was your thought, this is a fun thing to do, I'll do it for a couple of years, or this is what I want to do as a grown-up when I'm out of high school, out of college? Mm, 
I had no prospect of what I would want to do in the future, but I just knew that I wanted to do it then. And I mean, if I maybe if I'd known how much work it would be, or uh, maybe then I would have felt scared or overwhelmed. You didn't but, know to, enough to be intimidated by it. Yeah, I mean, I just knew, and I knew what I wanted it to be, and I felt like nothing could interfere with that. I mean, when we would talk to publishers, I think part of wanting to be independent was that it felt like too much work to explain everything to people who would then do it. Um, so instead, I just like got no sleep that year and got horrible grades and was micromanaging everything. And now I can, I don't have to micromanage everything because I did it then. So, but I think if I'd known, I don't know, but it was what I wanted to do. Like, I remember coming home from school and like, I would start working on it. I also like hung out with friends, but I started working on it. And my mom was like, you should relax. And I was like, then I would be doing this. This is what I want to do. So. We were talking about this before. This you were sort of you became a blogger and then and then even started this magazine, sort of at the same time that Facebook and Twitter and Instagram were starting to bubble up, but really preceding it. Um, do you think if those tools had been around that you would have become a just a very active Twitter or a very active Instagrammer instead of going out and, and building your own magazine? No, because I don't think that would have been the right outlet. Um, like, when I wrote my blog, I would come home from school and take photos of my outfit and write about my day. Or I would try writing, like, long-form essays. And with Rookie, I, there would have been no way to build the kind of community that we have and the faithfulness that we have in our readers if it had been those kind of, like, just snippets. So how, how big, let's do some scale. How big is the readership today? How many people are working with you on the magazine? Right now, we get three million hits a month, and our staff is, um, there are four other editors besides me, and we have about 80 contributors who, we, who I email every month with like the monthly theme, and then they pitch, and we go through it, etc. And you're covering your monthly costs now with, with advertising. It's free, but you've made enough money from advertising that you're profitable. Yes. Good job. Thank you. Um, so it's some, so you become a blogger, you become a publisher, and then at some point you decide, I'd like to be an actress as well? How does that happen? Well, I did acting when I was little. My sisters and I all did like theater camps and voice lessons. And if none of this had happened, that's probably the thing I would have done because I kept doing plays in school and, um, and a bit outside of school and auditioning for things in Chicago. and. Um, but yeah, then I just became really busy with Rookie and stopped, like quit choir and everything. And then I was approached by United Talent Agency um, because they were just, Rookie had just started and they were just like, we like your general voice. You have an interesting point of view. We want to give you the resources to, maybe you'll want to write a screenplay. Maybe you'll want, whatever. Um, and I'd had meetings like that before where I never quite felt understood, but I felt understood by them and um, told them that I actually wanted to see scripts and go on auditions. You're what, 16, 17? At this point, um, I was almost 16. And again, this is something you're just deciding to do optionally, and again, 
there's a big chunk of America and the world where they're working very hard to get to that point to have that option. I'm, yes. And, and are you sort of conscious of that or you, it seems you have a sort of very low-key attitude, but I don't think you're blasé about it. No, I mean, I'm... Like, by now, I know that... Um, like, people have told me enough that my position is really unique and lucky that thinking about it all the time won't actually help me feel like I've also earned this in some way and like I can be confident enough to get more work done. So I, it's insane and I feel like in no position in a way to like talk about it or like give advice because it's such a unique um, path that I've had, but I, I don't know. If I'm like talking to a friend about some kind of like challenge, like professional or creative challenge, and they just go like, "Well, you're really lucky," that just doesn't doesn't help you. No. But you are lucky, and you, you've had cool opportunities. So you did uh, what you did at NBC. You did Parenthood, is that right? Yes, I uh, was on an episode of Parenthood. And then, I, and then you were on Broadway last year. Yeah, so last January I auditioned, I put myself on tape for this play, This Is Our Youth, and did two rounds of tapes, flew to New York for the callback, met with the director in Chicago, and got the part. So that ran in Chicago last summer, and then ran on Broadway from um, August to January last month. So blogging, creating your own magazine, you have an enormous amount of control over what you do. You can yeah. tape everything. You go live on a play, it's, you lose a lot of control. Mm -hmm. How do you contrast those experiences? Do you like one more than the other? Uh, they're definitely different. It's such a different muscle creatively because I know when like an article is done, I know when I'm editing a piece, I know when it's done. Uh, but with acting, in the structure of doing a play where you end up, we did it in total like 230 times. So in the beginning, you're like very self-aware and set the cadence of every line and then know it so well that then you have to be like not self-aware at all. And that was the challenge because then I couldn't know what the audience was seeing and it was like the opposite of writing. Um, but that was just like a fascinating thing. So you're 19 now, you, you, are you go, I'm sorry, 18. Are you going to college? No. No, you're done. Um, I applied, I deferred. I made sure I didn't want to do it and then decided not to go. So what do you do next? Um, well, the play ended a month ago, and right now I'm just writing some essays about the play that I don't know it, where they'll end up or if I'll rookie or anything, but also working on rookie full-time for the first time. And, yeah. Let me, let me ask you a, a, a commercial question. Um, a lot of people in this audience are trying to reach you and people like you, people your age. You're very elusive because they used to be able to advertise to you on TV. and you, <laughs> I assume you're probably not a cable subscriber. You're, you're this moving target. They're trying to find you. I mean, Tyler, the creator on, he's 23. He says, I hate advertising altogether. Mm -hmm. How do people who want to sell you something, who want to reach you, how do they find you? How do they communicate to you? Well, generation. I feel I feel torn between two desires that are both different versions of not wanting to be an asshole, um, because I don't want to be like, 
you can't do that. Shut up. But I also, like, that feels very, like, angsty and, like, leave me alone and slamming my bedroom Let's go with door. the real one. All right, so the other one is that I don't really want to tell you how to do that, but I also don't know. And I also think that, like, when I think about my job as editor-in-chief of Rookie... Because you're trying I'm, to reach people, right? Yeah, but I'm not trying to sell them anything. If anything, I'm trying to sell them, like, an article on how to have self-esteem. Like, so I don't really know how to sell a product. I just want to, I don't know, want girls to feel good about themselves. I mean, the biggest thing for Rookie has just been word of mouth, and I think that comes from, like, this thing helped me, maybe you'll like it too. And what do you think people who are advertising with Rookie are trying to achieve? What, who do you think, I mean, obviously they're reaching your audience, but is there, what in particular are they getting out of your platform? Um, well, our readers are really loyal and faithful and trust us, and, like, I have very picky taste, and... Will you endorse things? I like this brand of shoe bag. I mean, we've done sponsored content, but... Do you lend your name to it specifically? Well, I, not mine specifically, but and I mean, I've like modeled for ad campaigns like totally separately of Rookie. Um, what do you think about the idea of, of we had uh, earlier on, we had a panel of, of, of people who make their money in um, endorsing things on Vine or, or creating things for people on Vine or Pinterest or endorsing products on YouTube. Is that something you're comfortable with? Well, I don't use any of the, I don't like specialize in any of those, so I don't, um, I can't say. But like when I did my blog, I would do stuff like that if um, like a designer, uh, these designers that I really like, Kate and Laura Malavy, who have a label called Rodarte, did a line for Target, and I'm friends with them, and I liked the collection they did for Target, so like we made a video for them, and I did a giveaway on my blog, and it felt natural because did it's Did they pay you for that, or, like, or, so there was, there was branded content, we would call it in this room. Yeah. Room. You're okay with that? Yeah. I mean, if, be, like, well, on one hand, I didn't have to make money because I was living at home and everything, but it's also, <laughs> um, but if something like that comes up and it's a natural fit and there's a way to then, you know, the whole thing is like, like right now I only do things I'm either really passionate about or that will pay my rent for a long time. And so if you can do things that pay the rent and they don't feel like a compromise of any kind, then that can sustain your living while you do the passionate thing, like writing essays that probably no one will read. So. Like having a job, I got it. Right, sense. that's just, yeah. Um, I bet <laughs> folks in the audience have questions for you, so let's put the lights up and see if people want to speak up. Hi, Anne. Hi, um, thanks, Tavi, it's great to hear from you. I have a question, so you mentioned um, at one point in your early years feeling sort of reflecting on a post and realizing that your opinions were changing so fast mm -hmm. and whether that would be the right one. And I was thinking as a, you know, now as an editor-in-chief and a publisher, making decisions about points of view around style or music mm -hmm. or whatever, there must be kind of a different phenomenon looking at it now from the curating point of view. Do you ever kind of second-guess yourself or feel like for an audience that's maybe fickle, like, do you worry about putting points of view out there or how do you think about that? Um... You almost can't be too, uh, like if I try at all to be calculating about 
um, the way people will feel about something that is being put out there, you just run into, you hit so many walls because there's no way to really calculate that. You just, I just try to like be honest in my writing, publish someone else's writing that I think someone could relate to or find useful or find entertaining. And hopefully like it clicks, but um, yeah, I mean, I look back at like, I don't really look back at anything I've written, but I like think about it yeah. and think about like deleting all of it on like a weekly basis. But I also accept that as part of just like growing up and sharing things online. Yeah, cool, thank you. I have a question here. Uh, hi, uh, my name is Anthony. I'm 19. I'm also part of that group of people who everyone here, I guess, is trying to target. Um, uh, so one of Rookie's, I think, biggest assets is that they have a really, um, or I guess you have a really uh, robust uh, uh, readership community. Um, is there anyone, like, partic in particular at Rookie, who is doing um, active community management work? And is there any kind of strategy that you're actively like putting into um, community management, community growth uh, that you can share with us? Um, this feels like such a cop-out. If anything, that's something that like we're currently working on improving because we're just not, it's like I know all the rookie readers are like in a community on Tumblr and I know we should be in there more too, but we're still just kind of like just barely getting up the posts on our site every day. So I don't feel like that's something that, like I, to me that's like a space for improvement. But I think it's like, I think a big part of that is just that young women right now are really seeing um, like Tumblr and Twitter and Instagram especially as ways to share stuff with each other and have a voice that they maybe don't have in other places. Um, I just think there's a really strong, maybe not like self-identified feminist community, but a community that I would characterize as feminist because it's just all these like 14-year-old girls sharing like fandom and also really eloquent opinions. And I think that's just because, you know, we live in a time where that's possible. Um, I'm sorry, I can't give like a more helpful answer. No, no, it's great. Thanks. Thanks. Aaron. Hi, Tavi. Um, I've been reading you for a long time since before you were doing those crazy rap videos and, and a bunch of other stuff that you probably want to delete, as you mentioned. <laughs> um, but I just want to ask sort of, Rookie, I think is an amazing statement on kind of your, your view on kind of uh, media for, for young women today, but mm -hmm. broadly beyond what you're doing, kind of A, how do you feel about the health of that generally? Um, and B, like, where would you like to see it go? Generally? Sorry, what was A? Just sort of um, health of what? The health of women-aimed and sort of girl-aimed media today. So uh, I think you mentioned a lot about sort of the community aspect of it and the self-expression that's happening Aaron, on the Aaron platform. Aaron works at Gawker Media, which publishes Jezebel. Um, but curious about what you think editorially is sort of happening at all the various publications that are aimed at girls and women today, and like, where would you like to see that go? Um. Hmm. Well, in a way, I think publications, this is not like a new thought, but I think a lot of publications, even websites, not just print, are becoming less important, just be, or at least less important as like authority figures um, on like what is cool or interesting or worth caring about. Replaced because, by 
uh, Twitter, um, and Tumblr. So I think, and there's a lot more discourse every time that like we publish something or there are posts on other, you know, on Jezebel or Gawker. There's a lot more than follow up on those other platforms about um, what it means and if we take it seriously or not and stuff like do that. Do you like that idea that the discourse moves away from the publication and happens sort of on these platforms like Twitter or Tumblr and, and not on the original site or your original site? Mm, well, I guess it could bring new people to the original. I mean, it's not something you can, it's like that's where people talk about everything. So, and it's also, like I appreciate girls who write to us directly who have an issue with something that we published, but I also think it's important to voice that publicly and like make that known if you have an issue with something. Um, so that doesn't bother me. I think, yeah, like when I, even my sisters who are 22 and 25, even when they were my age, obviously were, well, I think like for them and their friends, it was really important to read like 17 and Cosmo Girl and they were authority figures. And I don't think even like Rookie is like that because just because our readers are so, maybe I'm just thinking about, no, I think like it's fair to say that people of my age who are used to using the internet are just like really skeptical and see through everything and so it would take a lot to suddenly be like the bible for teens um and i'm glad that we're not that um i don't what <laughs> sorry no, no, that's that's a good place to leave it right yeah the, i think i'm optimistic not really about like public like to me it's less important now that 17 is more feminist or whatever because like girls can kind of talk about it themselves and that's way better for them to have their own voices. We are going to leave it there. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Tavi, so much.